0: Many are cold, but few are frozen. Amen. But uh you can take you can take the boy out of Yankee land, but you can never take the Yankee out of the boy. Amen. But uh Amen. What a what a joy it is to be here tonight. Take your Bibles, just turn anywhere. It's all good. Amen. Just Amen. I, I I'd rather be in church on church night than any any place in the world, amen? amen. And uh, it's just good to be around God's people and have have fun in church, amen? I know your preacher likes to have fun, and uh, uh, I, I, there are stories that I can tell you about football camp and uh, uh, sharing a room in a motel with your preacher, but uh, time does not allow us to do that, amen. and uh, <laughs> I noticed... Uh, Brother Donald's there's not a clock in the back there. And uh, uh, when I was pastoring, I uh, had a clock in the back. It was for nobody's benefit but for mine. It helped me to keep on track and so forth. And I was in the pastorate for 25 years. And, and uh, <clears throat> I, I, I want you to know I'm not long-winded. But my men threatened to take the clock down and hang a calendar back there. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what that meant, but... Uh, they, uh, I'm, I'm not long-winded. <clears throat> I, have, I have an eight-minute message. I don't have it with me, but I do have one. And uh, the rest are significantly longer. But uh, I don't know what time you normally get out, preacher. Uh, when the Holy Spirit's done. Hey, amen. All right, good. It, uh, let's see. I could say my watch is still on Central Time, but it's not. I did change it. And, uh, so. But anyway, take your Bibles, if you will. Go to 2 Kings chapter number 7 if you will. And uh, while you're turning there, I'd ask that you'd pray for my wife. Um, she, uh, we found out just uh, a couple months ago that uh, she has a brain tumor. Uh, praise the Lord, it is. They're, they're pretty sure, 99% sure it's benign. Um, they don't know how long it's been there. They don't know where it came from, uh, what it's doing other than doing another MRI in, in uh, the end of December. And comparing them, see if it's going uh, if it's done anything or not, and uh then they'll proceed from there, but uh, uh we're just praying that uh, either it will not be growing or that God just remove it and take it away and uh because he sure can do that amen, and uh, he's done it uh, before he can do it again, and uh, praise the Lord, we have a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God amen and uh so I'd ask that you'd pray for her, if you will. 2 Kings chapter number 7 is a very interesting chapter, and uh, I want to bring out just a few things uh, tonight uh, about this, but let me give you just a little bit of background before we get into 2 Kings chapter 7. Uh, the, uh, the Syrian army has uh, has besieged Samaria. They've surrounded it, and uh, as as is common in Bible days, the cities were... We're pretty fortified, and uh, the only sometimes the only way to to conquer a city was literally to encircle it, and uh, lo- literally put it uh, in in siege, and literally just starve them out, starve them into submission, and uh, that's what's happening here. Uh, if you read Second Kings chapter number six, uh, the the uh, uh, they've already besieged the city. Uh The, the uh, the siege has gone on for quite some time. It's gotten to the point, uh, by the time we get into 2 Kings chapter 7, that uh, food is so scarce, the two women get together, and they decide together that uh, uh, one day they're going to take one of the, the lady's children, and they're going to boil him and eat him, and the next day they will boil the other child of the the other mother and eat that child. That's how, how desperate these people are in Samaria. Food is, is almost non-existent at this point. And it's getting to the point where, where they are on the brink of starvation. That's what brings us to 2 Kings chapter number 7. Now let's start reading at verse number 3 of 2 Kings chapter number 7. And before we do, let's ask God to bless us tonight. Father, thank you again for your blessings Thank you for the Word of God. I pray, Father, you would give me the words to speak tonight. And, Father, I pray that as I preach to the ears of these dear people, that, Lord, you would speak to their hearts. That's something that I cannot do, Lord. Only you can do that. Lord, I pray that you would, you would uh, speak to our hearts, uh, convict us where we need convicting tonight, perhaps change us where we need changing tonight in order to be a better servant for you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Look at verse number 3 of Second Kings chapter number 7. There were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? Now it was customary in in Bible days for the the lepers to be isolated uh, by themselves apart from the main uh, body of, of people because leprosy is very contagious. And so here we have outside the gate... Outside the walled city of Samaria, we have four leprous men. And they're sitting there and they're saying, they're coming to a point where they're going to say, look, we can't just sit here, we're going to die, we've got to do something. And many times it comes to in the point of our Christian lives where we we've, we realize we've got to do something. And so they, they they make this statement, why sit we here until we die? Now, unfortunately... Uh, there are a lot of Christians that are willing just to sit around uh, and punch their spiritual time clock, and they're just waiting for either uh, physical death or Jesus to come back one, and uh, they're just just biding their time. Unfortunately, that's not God's plan. God wants us to be busy and active and reaching a lost and dying world for Christ. But uh, they made this statement, interesting statement, Why sit we here until we die? You see, they they understood that, uh, look at the the next verse, verse number uh, four. If we say we enter the city, the famine's in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now come, uh, therefore come, let us fall into the host of Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. As they sat there deciding what to do, they, they, they mulled over their options. They said if we go into the city, the famine's in the city, we're going to die if we go in the city. No food in there. If we stay here, we're going to die. As they weighed out their options, the only thing that made sense to them was for them to go to the host of the Syrian army and plead for their lives. And maybe, just the, the smallest of small chances, they might not kill them. Chances are they'd probably kill them, and, uh, but what was their choice? They were going to die anyway. At least they had some glimmer of hope. You know, that's what this world is looking for, just a little bit of hope. Just a little bit of encouragement. Just a little bit of understanding. And you and I have the answer. We can give it to a lost and dying world. But they, they made this dream. why sit we here do we die? We can't just sit here. If we go in the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. Let's, let's do something. Let's do something. And maybe, just maybe, there's a little small chance that we might not be, be killed. And so they, they go to the host of the Syrian army. With the full understanding and the full belief that they would probably be killed anyway. But they were going to die anyway. So what did they have to lose? At least they, they had to make an effort. To save their own lives. Look at verse number uh, number, four, number 5. Very interesting. There, uh, and they rose up in the... What's the next word? Twilight. Very interesting word. If you're in the habit of underlining or circling words in your Bible, we're going to come back to this word in just a minute. But twilight. Uh, sometime before dawn. Uh, it's... Uh, any of you uh, hunters that have been out hunting uh, early in the morning, you get, usually get to the tree stand at, at uh, dark 30, and uh, you're in that, dark, uh, in that uh, tree stand, and, and uh, pretty soon it starts getting a little bit light. You start seeing images. And uh, you can make out things you can't really see clearly until, uh, until more light and so forth. But that twilight, that, that time when, when uh, uh, light isn't there yet, but it's coming. Amen. Uh, light is, 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 it's, it's on its way. So they rose up in the twilight to go in the camp of the Syrians. When they were come to the uttermost, uh, the, the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Now there should have been centuries. Uh, any, uh, normal army will put out guards or a perimeter to warn of an impending attack. And so there should have been a sentry out there, should have been a, a perimeter of guards out there waiting or, or, or ready to sound the alarm if, uh, if any attack was coming. But they got to that point and there were no soldiers there. There was nobody there. They, they should have started encountering some soldiers, but they encountered no one. Look at the next verse. Verse number six. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come against us, to come upon us. Wherefore they rose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses. And their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Now, I find a lot of humor in the Bible. As I'm en- envisioning this Syrian army, they, God uh, allows them to hear the noise of war and chariots, and they are confident that uh, there's another army coming upon the scene and they're going to die. And so they literally run for their lives. They drop everything, and they run for their life. Now, as I think of this and envision this this spectacle, you know, I, I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. But if I were running for my life, I know that a horse can run a whole lot faster than I can. Amen. Uh, when I was growing up, I had a had a uh, my I actually owned uh, belonged to my brother, but. Uh, when he went, he's six years older than I am, he went in the Air Force before I did. And uh, so I inherited his horse. His horse was Pe- named Pepper. Pepper was the stubbornest horse in the whole world. And uh, uh, we had an uh, a, an 80-acre pasture that I'd take the the bridle and uh, uh, walk out. He would go to the farthest point of the pasture. And he, he, would, he would make me go all the way to the corner of the pasture... About the time I'd get my hand on his rump and start walking up uh, toward his back to get the, the, uh, the reins around his neck to put the bridle on and swing up on his back, he'd, he'd whirl around and he'd take off the other way. Uh, all the, the, the whole 80 acres all the way through the other corner. And I'd have to chase him. And uh, once I finally pinned him into the corner and finally he realized he was had and uh, got the bridle on, swung up and rode him around. But when he wanted to go home, he was going home. Uh, there, there wasn't any turning him. There wasn't any any making sense to him. I would take the reins and I'd pull them all the way up until his head was literally uh, on his chest. And he'd be running like this with all, you know. And that's not a really a good thing for, you know, uh, if you're riding for the horse to be doing that. But, uh, I mean, he was the stubbornest horse in the whole world. But I knew that he, I, you know, I, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out a horse can run a whole lot faster than, than a man can. Amen. If I were running for my life, I dead sure wouldn't leave the horses behind, amen? I'd grab one of those and take them. But they left everything. They literally ran for their lives. Look what it says, verse number uh, 7. They they rose and fled in the twilight. I want you to notice that. But when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent. And did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment. And went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent. And carried then also and went and hid it. Man, they were having a blast. Man, they were grabbing the chicken leg here and the turkey leg over here. And, man, they were chomping on that and, and taking gold and, and uh, clothing. And, and man, they were, they were having a blast. Then, look at verse number 9. Then they said one to another, whoa, time out. See, that's in the original Hebrew. You won't find that. But they, they said, whoa, time out. They said, whoa, stop. Notice what it says. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. and We hold our peace. Here they had everything that they needed. Everything that they could possibly want. They had been literally starving to death. Now they have food in abundance. They've got everything they ever desire. And they said, whoa, time out. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings we hold our peace. They said, look, there's a whole city back there in Samaria that's literally starving to death. We have got to take this good news to them so they don't starve to death. Amen. You see, we've got the good news right here. We've got the good news. And we do not well when we hold our peace Amen. and do not tell a lost and dying world how a Savior can save them from their sins and take them to a place called heaven. They, see, they came to their senses. They said, look, we, there's something wrong with this picture. We're, we have everything we've ever wanted in abundance. But yet our friends and family and relatives are starving to death. We've got to take them the good news. And we've got to take the good news of Jesus saves to a lost and dying world. Amen. And if you read the rest of the story, you'll find that they did take the good news back. And we won't belabor the point, but they they did literally save that city from famine. It was God's provision, God's way of of allowing that city to be rescued. But I want you to notice something that God gave me, and I, I'm going to leave you with this, because th- this, I think, will... will uh, It'll help you in your Christian life. Remember back in verse number 5, when they finally decided to do something, what time of day was it when they finally decided to act upon their decision? It's twilight. Look at verse number 7. Wherefore, they, being the Syrian army, rose and fled in the twilight. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the very moment you and I decide to do something for God, we're just not going to sit still. We're not going to sit here until we die. We're going to do something for God. We're going to make our lives count for God. At that very instant, God is preparing the way for you to get the job done. You see, those lepers had no idea what God was going to do. They had no idea. For all they knew, they were going to be killed. But the very moment that they decided to act by faith and step out by faith and say, we're going to do something. We're not just going to sit here and die. We're going to actually do something about our plight. At that very moment, God was already taking care of the need. Amen. You see, God honors faith. When you act on faith, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Whatever it is, when you operate in the realm of faith, then God blesses and makes the way. He opens the doors that you can't open. Amen. Amen? Trust me, I've tried opening doors that wouldn't open. I've tried telling God what I wanted to do, and, and trying to convince him is his idea. Amen? I've been there. I know what it is to try to open locked doors that God isn't in. Amen? Uh, years ago, I, I, uh, after I got saved in the Air Force, I uh, had one of the best jobs in the Air Force. I had loved, would have loved to have made it a career, but I knew God called me to preach as soon as I got saved, and I knew I couldn't stay in. But after I got trained in, in Bible college and... You know, I really had a desire to go back in the military as a chaplain. I felt like if I could go back in the Air Force as a chaplain, uh, I could reach more people. And so I uh, I, I, I tried to, uh, to, to go through some doors. I went through the process of the Air Force, getting back in the Air Force. I uh, went to o, OTS and, and passed their test, had a two-year window. Uh, where I could get back in the Air Force. Every door that I tried, God either closed it or locked it. Every, every window, every door, every avenue, every, every aisle that I wanted to go down, the doors were closed. Why? God wasn't in it. Amen. I was trying to convince God it was His idea. Amen. Uh, when it wasn't, it was my idea from the beginning. I was just trying to get God to approve it. Amen. So I, I know what that route is. But when you operate by faith and you operate on the principles of the Word of God, then God opens the doors that you cannot open. It never entered those lepers' minds that God would have an entire Syrian army run for their lives. I mean, that wasn't even in the realm of possibilities. A, a, no army just runs off and leaves everything. That just doesn't happen. Unless God's in it, amen? <laughs> God knows how to do the impossible. God is a worker of miracles. There's nothing impossible with God. He knows how to get our attention. He knows what we need. And when we operate in the realm of faith, and when God gave that to me, that, just that one thought, just that one, one idea that, that look, when, whenever I step out by faith, I may not be able to see what God's doing. Matter of fact, I can't see it beyond the end of my nose spiritually. I have no idea how God's going to do what God says He's going to do. That's His job, not mine. My job is to operate by faith. Amen? My job is to operate with, with God in mind and put Him first and live by faith. Because that pleases God. But when I step out by faith, God is already at that very instant making a way for my faith to come to fruition. You see, God is honored by faith. You get saved by faith. We live by faith. Guess what? We're going to heaven one day by faith. We've not been there. At least I haven't. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we're going there by faith. The only thing we know about heaven is what God says. We're going there by faith. If we live by faith and operate in the realm of faith and we step out and, and live by faith. Whenever we step out by faith, God's already making a way. Amen? You say, I, I can't see it. I know you can't. God doesn't need us to see it. We don't walk by, fa- by sight. We walk by faith. Amen? We don't need to see it. That's God's job. But when we step out by faith, God already opens the doors. At the very, I, believe, I believe that there's a reason why God says twilight in both places. I believe the very instant they decided to operate by faith, step out by faith and do something about their plight, at that very instant, God was already making a way. And that's the way He'll do with you and I, if we'll just live by faith. Just just leave, leave it to Him. Amen? Leave the results to Him. Too many times we try to figure out God. I'm glad we have a God we can't figure out. Amen. I'm glad that God does things that, that to the human mind doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense to the human mind. I'm glad we can't put God in a box and say God's going to do this at this time, at this point, and this you know. No. We we live by faith and leave the results to God. He'll take care of it. Amen. He'll take care of it. Down in Alabama. Where we reside, we do not have to have a front license plate. And so on the front of our van, we've got a little placard that says, Where God guides, He provides. Amen? And that's so very true. When we operate in the realm of faith, that's, that's God's realm. Our humanity says, I want to operate by sight. I want to see my way through. I, I, you know, I, I want to see where I'm going. I want to see the, 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 the beginning from the end. God says, No, that, that's not the way I want you to operate. I want you to walk by faith. I want you to to trust me, God says. And then he'll open the way. It's a whole lot more fun living by faith and walking by sight. Amen. And it's a whole lot more rewarding. Amen. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? As Brother Donald comes, perhaps the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. Perhaps there's something tonight that you need to do business with God about. I don't know your heart. It's only between you and God tonight. But perhaps the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you about something. Would you just operate in the realm of faith tonight? Would you just step out and say, God, I'm scared to death. I I don't know. But I believe that this is what you want me to do. And I believe that you'll be honored by my faith. Step out by faith, God will take care of it. Preacher. Let's all stand to our feet this evening. Every head bowed, every eye closed as the piano plays. The twilight, what a great truth, what a tremendous truth. To think for just a moment that they were lepers wretched lepers people that no one else wanted anything to do with yet when they stepped out by faith God did a miracle through them and with them what can God do with you and I if we'll simply stand and pursue his will in the twilight